Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So we begin our afternoon practice period. And if you like, you could consider the schedule something like that, as having a morning period, afternoon period, and evening period. And in each of those periods, it's helpful if you practice with as much continuity as possible. So this is going from sitting to walking, sitting, walking. And in that time, then, developing some deepening of the collectedness, of mindfulness, Those of you who have been on retreat before maybe don't need to consider these periods. You can just consider the whole day as a practice period or the whole week also. It's possible. But if it feels helpful, you could consider, okay, this is the beginning of this period. During this period, I'm going to take this determination to just practice, to follow schedule, this, 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 regardless of what my monkey mind is throwing up as different ideas or... Uh, suggestions or alarms, whatever. Also, you notice that in the period before the instruction period in the morning and afternoon, there is a place that says work meditation or walking or rest exercise. So also, if you feel like you have the juice for it or you'd like to try it and you don't have a work meditation during that time, Uh, You could see what it's like if you wanted to add to do a little bit of walking meditation before coming in for the sitting period, this period. So in this period we will be providing some more uh, instruction and a little background on the practice and what we're doing here. So we're getting the opportunity in the retreat to really pay attention and observe through our own direct experience what is this human life, you could say. And what is this life, what is this experience of being alive? So the Buddha suggests that what we call our life is actually this sequence of experiences that we have through six different sense doors. So Will alluded to this uh, in the morning also. So we have experiences of seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing. And then we have experiences of the mind, of thinking. So the mind is just considered a sense door, you could say, just like the nose will uh, receive smells, and if there's consciousness, there'll be the experience of smelling. Similarly, the mind will receive experiences that could be called mind objects, but our thoughts and images and memories and plans, snippets of old pop songs and all manner of things, inventions you make up. But this is all just a mind object. And for the purpose of our practice, we're relating to the mind objects differently than we usually do. So usually we get fascinated by them, we believe this idea is mine, we turn it over, we proliferate on it. 
So here when we're trying to practice mindfulness, we're developing this clarity about what is happening in which sense field. So that there is seeing happening, that there's hearing happening, that there's an experience of the body happening, and just that there is thinking happening. So our curiosity is to be interested in the process by which this happens. So that these objects of mind, for example, are just occurring, they're appearing on their own without a script. So they're not actually you or yours or under your control in some way. And similar with all the other sense sense doors, sense fields. So we, we use the physical body as an anchor for the practice, particularly in the beginning of the retreat, to help develop some collectedness of attention, some clarity. Also, you can see everything you need to see to be fully awakened through the body. So it's not to say that that is uh, just beginner practice, but also as we go along, we'll expand to investigating all of the different objects in our experience. But for today, primarily we'll stay with the experience of the body. So I mentioned this thing about the mind as a sense store, also that how do we relate to the the thoughts that occur to us during practice period? So primarily we want to just relate to them by recognizing that they are there. You can notice that also they go, that they disappear. But as much as possible, resisting the temptation to uh, get engaged in thinking about that thought. So proliferating on that thought or getting on the thought train, if you will. At the same time, the purpose of the meditation is not to obliterate all thoughts or all mind objects. So this is a sense experience, a sense field that we have as humans, and there's nothing wrong with thinking happening. We're just going to try and be mindful of thinking, which means just knowing that we're thinking when we're thinking. It's possible to practice that by labeling when you notice a thought occurring, as thinking or planning or remembering, if it's helpful for you. And then we bring the attention back to rest with the experience of the body as we're sitting. Now we're primarily using the experience of the body sitting, the body breathing, but also periodically you will have other experiences of the body. You'll have experiences of temperature change, you'll have experiences of uh, an itch maybe come up, or pain, or some part of the body feeling good. Primarily for this beginning part, you'll just let those experiences come and go, and just notice also, similar to the way thoughts come and go, unbidden. These experiences of the body play out according to their own natural law, you could say. So there's not a me who is mastering when you'll start sweating or when you start itching or something like that. But also we can practice being curious if something comes up that is very strong, practicing mindfulness with, with that, so investigating the nature of that. So for example, you'll be sitting, being with the experience of breath, and then you might have some other experience of the body that your mind is labeling as knee pain. So then you have this label in the mind, like 
knee pain or my knee hurts. The way we want to investigate, though, is to recognize that with our awareness. So bring mindfulness to the direct experience in the body. So in this field of the body. And what is this actually like? And when we do that, if we can do that, without it becoming something that we tighten around or collapse around or uh, get caught up in the mind streams around, something very interesting can be revealed. So for example, that which we call our body or that which we call our knee, that which we call knee pain, uh, doesn't exist as some solid entity that can be held or permanently known as one thing. So as we bring our attention to that area, we can notice, oh, there's actually a pulsing. There's a vibration, there's a tightening, there's heat. So we can actually know that just as it is. So not through our ideas of it, not through our experience of it in the past, not through something we've read about it, but through knowing directly with mindfulness, clear comprehension, what is this? And knowing in each moment as it changes, as it comes, as it goes, like that. Can bring the attention then back to being with the breath, either intermittently in the investigation of that area of the body. And you can play with it a little. You can be with the breath and then bring the attention towards that area, but not right in the center of it. Come back, be with the breathing again, feel it a little bit, kind of surf between them. So this is also a skillful means if that other area of the body is too intense or tight or difficult to be with. So this is also practice. This is our practice of investigation, of vipassana, of insight meditation. All of this can be included in it. Now, sometimes you're investigating that, you're being curious about it, but it's too strong or the mindfulness is not able to meet that and the mind starts screaming and shouting about it, got to move or my knee's going to be permanently locked in this position or sometimes silently screaming at the teacher to ring the bell to end the misery of the position. So if you can, you can just notice that as thoughts. If it feels like it's too difficult for you, then you can actually move the part of the body if it feels like there's all this contraction around it. So if you're going to do that, just try to do it mindfully and try to do it gently. So you're trying to investigate it, you're trying to be with it, at a certain point you realize you're really just clenched around it. It's difficult to be with and investigate with any openness or curiosity. So then you decide, okay, I'm going to move. Try to move mindfully. So if you can notice your intention to move, move, stretch that leg a little bit, feel what it feels like in the new position, and then come back again, be with the breath and the body. So in this way then it's part of the continuity of practice. So it doesn't have to be separate then or a problem or an obstacle or anything like that. So all of this is the uh, art and play of meditation practice. So I offer that for you in case it's helpful, in case body starts showing up in ways that uh, 
calling for attention and you want to know how to attend to that. But we don't need to go looking for trouble also. Different sensations just intermittently rise and pass. Let them come and go like that. So we'll practice together for a little bit. So taking your posture of dignity and wakefulness. And as we begin, you could take a moment to appreciate your own sincerity of being here, your own goodwill, your aspirations. And if you like, you can even smile a little bit at yourself, just a little bit, have a sense of goodwill towards this animal body here. And you can take your intention to do your best to be present with whatever shows up during this period. May I be mindful with all the experiences that appear. May I grow in wisdom. May I grow in compassion through the practice. can feel the groundedness of the body through the chair, cushion, bench. Feel yourself sitting on the earth, rooted there, well supported. Just check in if there's a sense of ease around the muscles of the face, the shoulders. On the exhale, you could try to relax a little bit there. For those of you for whom this connects, you can also take refuge. Take refuge in the Dhamma. Take refuge in the Buddha. That is meaningful to you. Notice the body breathing. 
or just experience the body sitting. And without bearing down or straining, allowing yourself to connect with the experience of the body breathing, body sitting, the sense of intimacy, curiosity, even a sense of love for this organic life as it's unfolding. Some other experiences of the body that might arise are experience of sleepiness, which we talked about a little bit. You can also bring mindfulness, curiosity to this experience of sleepiness. You can practice with it, as I mentioned, by opening your eyes or even standing up. Also try to investigate, what is this sleepiness? What is this direct experience of it? You can feel what it feels like in the head, the belly, the chest. Be curious about it, like observing a weather pattern, pattern of energy moving through system. Does it fall like a curtain from the top of the head down? Does it spread from the middle? Is the mind sleepy and the body sleepy? Or is one more awake? Are the toes sleepy 
And if so, what is that like? What is the direct experience of sleepy toes? can feel all of those energies shifting, moving, recognizing them just as they are, not as you, not as owned by a you, just as nature. It's possible to also encounter the energetic experience of restlessness, the other side of the energetic spectrum from sleepiness. This too can be met with awareness, with mindfulness. And allow the awareness to expand. So it's very spacious even as large as this room. Within that, you can feel whatever the experience is of restlessness in the body, a lot of energy, the feeling of wanting to jump out of your skin. All of that can be known in this field of spaciousness. It's like knowing popcorn popping. Similarly, experience of restlessness of mind, lots of thoughts, lots of action going on in the field of the mind. You can just sense the energy of that. You don't need to track each one or try to clamp it down. Open up with spaciousness and recognize, oh, this is the energy. not needing to change it or stop it, but also not indulging it. 
and coming back to the breath, to the grounding quality of the body sitting.
And if it's helpful for you to maintain some continuity of awareness or just to know with some more precision what's going on, you could try practicing with the light mental note that helps to frame what it is that is predominant in experience. So if it's the breath, you could label in, out, or breathing in, breathing out, just very lightly and softly in the mind, like a small caption. And if something else arises in experience, you can likewise label that thinking, planning, and also experiences of the body, tingling, vibrating, heat, cool, even with sound, hearing.
So some of you will have recognized uh, two of the experiences that I described in the practice, the sleepiness and restlessness, as two of a set of five that are the top challenges to meditation, as described by the Buddha 2,600 years ago, and still seemingly relevant for humans uh, trying to do this practice now. So the sleepiness and restlessness are um, kind of two ends of an energetic spectrum, right? Of an excess of energy in the body and the mind this way, and then a kind of collapsing body-mind. Sloth and torpor is the uh, one of the English translations for the sleepiness, tinamita is a Pali word. And with this we can just learn to be present with it, and with all of these, these experiences of the, the body, the mind. Sometimes we expect to come on retreat and like, oh, I'm just going to sit, it's going to be totally beatific and peaceful, mind will be quiet, I'll sit in this nice lotus position the whole week, and uh, you know, then we show up and it's just like a mess, right? Like uh, <laughs> rerunning stories and feeling sleepy and restless and all this stuff. And so this is becoming intimate with what it is to be a human. You know, this is uh, really all fair game for our practice of mindfulness, of awareness of practice. It's not a problem that this shows up. So we learn to be with that. We learn to explore that. We learn to understand the nature of these experiences of body and mind that otherwise knock us off our seat, toss us around. So this energetic experience of sleepiness, of restlessness. So now that I've mentioned there's five, I should tell you about the other one, shouldn't I? So another pair is the mind of wanting and the mind of not wanting. So the aversion is a not wanting, and grasping kind of desire, obsession of mind is the opposite of that. So they're kind of similar, similar experiences on different, um, different ends of a spectrum also. And they could be in relationship to anything. It actually doesn't even matter what the object is. So it could be not wanting an experience of the body, a certain pain. It could be not wanting an experience of the mind. It could be not wanting uh, the temperature in the room to be what it is, you know, whatever it is. Usually we get caught up in attending to that object and how we can get rid of it. The way to practice with this skillfully is to turn our attention to that momentum of not wanting. So turn the attention to the not wanting itself. And therein lies the suffering in that pattern. It almost doesn't matter what is in the slot of that is not wanted. Similar with the wanting. It could be anything. It could be an object of uh, sexual desire. It could be a food. It could be wanting a beautiful meditation experience that you had the last time you were at Spirit Rock, which made you sign up for this retreat and you're trying to get back to it. And some are more noble aspirations than others, certainly. But uh, in the moment in which the mind is obsessed with getting something that's not here now, we again usually get focused on this object and uh, proliferating about that. But actually the thing that is uh, plaguing us, that's pulling us away, is the very energy of the grasping, that obsession of mind. 
So turn the attention to that. Become curious, become interested in what that feels like in the body, what that feels like in the mind. And it's, it's almost like there's sort of an insert photo here quality to that, this, these patterns, the not wanting and the wanting. Um, like that object keeps getting replaced by different things to want or not want. So get curious about that energetic pull-push movement. And therein lies freedom, too. And then the fifth one is uh, uh, energy of doubt. Uh, particularly skeptical doubt, like, oh, uh, should I be doing this practice? Um, maybe I should have gone on a different kind of retreat. Uh, maybe these teachers don't know what they're talking about. I should have gone with some older people who had more gray hair. It would have been better. Or, uh, or maybe I can't do this myself. Everybody else seems to be sitting very still, but only I am restless and can't do this. Only I can't uh, complete this retreat. So all of this is some version of doubt. And this is very insidious because it basically stops you in your tracks. You know. So this is not to say, like, oh, uh, don't ask any questions at all. Right? So questions are fine, and uh, we'll have chances to uh, ask questions, clarify things, all of that. But these particular kind of questions that derail you from actually doing the practice right, are ones that are not helpful. And... So with this one, you want to recognize, like, oh, this is doubt. This is this pattern of doubt. And really, the, the answer to those, um, those doubts is like, okay, I decided to be here, so let me just try it and see. You know, is the practice going to work? Well, I won't know if I just sit here thinking about it. Right? Can I do this? Also, we'll only be able to understand that if I try it. So you can feel what that feels like also in the body, in the mind. Sometimes you can feel like an unsettledness or bees buzzing around, an inability to, to ground, to settle. So you can label that. This labeling technique that I mentioned can be very helpful. It's like, oh, doubt. That's what this is. In the stories of the, um, the Buddha, there's a character that shows up called Mara, the tempter. or He's kind of like this um, trickster demon-ish character who shows up and uh, he, even on the, the night the Buddha wishes to be awakened, the Buddha takes this uh, determination, I will not get up from the seat until I'm awakened. And he sits and it's said that these armies of Mara come, the army of terrifying things to scare him off his seat. And he sits steady, he's not knocked off his seat. And then this army of Beautiful things. All these things you could have if you just didn't go on this quest. You could go back and have good food and sex and music and enjoyable things of the world, but he sits steady. He's already tried all those things. And he's. And then the last army of Mara is actually kind of a quiet one, is this doubt. Like, who do you think you are to be doing this? Who are you to be seeking awakening? And in these uh, statues, yeah, this one also here, you can see his hand is like this and it's this uh, touching the earth mudra. And in this gesture, the Buddha is saying, the earth itself bears witness to my right for awakening. And in that moment, the doubt is dispelled. It's awakened. So if Mara visits you, as it's possible, <laughs> then uh, if you can remember, you could even uh, calm out. So the Buddha would, afterwards, the, Mara would show up again, periodically, even after he was awakened, but the Buddha would just say, I see you, Mara. I said, hello, Mara. 
And in that moment, Mara would just, uh, you know, have to stomp off and <laughs> be deterred from his mission. But uh, yeah, you could practice with this and even that image of keeping your seat, you know, getting knocked off your seat is a powerful one. Isn't that something that all of us would aspire? Not just in meditation practice, but uh, in our life. And be able to be steady like that. So we have some uh, time for uh, groups um, in a little bit. And um, there'll be two groups today, and then um, there'll be some more groups tomorrow and the next day and so on. Uh, you don't need to rehearse too much what you have to say for the group. It's basically a chance to check in about how it's going in the meditation practice. And we would like to hear from everyone how it's going. You know, what's your experience of the meditation so far? What's your experience in the sitting meditation, the walking meditation? Uh, if there's any questions you have about the instructions that we've been giving um, or anything like that. Um, one of the reasons that we do it in the groups is that sometimes someone else's question is helpful for you to hear. Um, so you can also have a good opportunity to practice listening meditation. This is a very helpful skill to have for everyday life too. Listening meditation where you sit and mindfully listen uh, without moving your mouth. So get to practice hearing what the person says and then notice silently to yourself if you have thoughts, reactions, uh, questions, if you want to agree with them, if you think they remind you of someone you know, whatever it is. Observe those thoughts and uh, impressions silently to yourself. And by and large, you are off the hook. You do not have to be the teacher, so you can let us be the teacher. You can just uh, sit and listen, and then, yeah, when it's your turn, uh, you can share. It's kind of unusual human interactions we have in these settings. You know, even also when you have the, if, if you have signed up to have a meeting with uh, Victoria or with uh, Cara, it's, it's not like a usual kind of human interaction where you have to come in and be like, hey, how's it going? I like your shirt. Where are you from? None of that, right? So... <laughs> you can be, um, feel completely released from these niceties. <laughs> you can actually just start in with like, mm, yeah, I have this question about this, or um, my experience when I've been in the hall is this, and I don't know how to deal with it. So uh, just to free you from the usual way of uh, engaging like that, can, for the sake of um, time and brevity, and in some ways simplicity, yeah, we can just... Um, keep as much as possible our conversations to the practice like that. So maybe we have a little time, though, if there are people who might have questions who are not in a group today or who don't have, uh, who haven't signed up for a, a slot, uh, particularly if there's any newer people, but really anyone, if there's anything that's happened so far in your experience that um, you want to ask about or anything we've said in the instructions you would like some clarity about, uh, if you do, you could raise your hand. Good. A little bit more about walking then. When you go to the walking room, um, it's helpful to walk in the 
direction where the most people can walk. So in the, up there, the sort of shorter way. Uh, and also try to stay in your lane. So like pick a lane and stay there. Uh, you know, you could bunch up a little if someone new comes in, you want to make room for them or something, but um, it's easier if everyone is just kind of like walking back and forth and not crisscrossing or uh, like that. And the walking is interesting um, because in the sitting, we come to the hall and we sit together, so you have that sort of uh, supportive social pressure to stay here and uh, be here the whole time. But because we don't all walk in the same exact location, then uh, you know, that's the time that the monkey mind can act up and be like, oh, I should go to my room and refold my socks, or I should go down and get, get some tea, or oh, why don't I walk here? No, no, I'll go walk there. Oh, what about here? You know. So it's good to recognize that if it's happening and uh, try to simplify your life. Like Try to just get up and go to the place of walking and uh, choose a place. And you know, if, unless it starts like pouring rain and you're outside, then you can come inside. But otherwise, accept the uh, trade-offs and challenges of your walking spot for that period <laughs> of the coolness or noise or whatever. And then the next time you could choose a different spot. Also, the uh, etiquette of walking is... Um, you know, wherever you find a walk, you walk in that period, but it doesn't mean that you have claimed that spot for the entire of the retreat, too. So notice if you start to get a little possessive about a certain area. And you can also fold that in and make that part of your practice, too. So, so thank you. Enjoy the afternoon period. Um, for those of you who have groups also, you could uh, yeah, try to come directly there. And um, if you had to go to the bathroom before will allow people who are in groups right after that to bow to uh, get to the front of the bathroom line if they need to. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.